0: Football today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
1: Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hey, welcome back. This is our Monday show, and we're going to recap some football here on February 11th. Adam Azer, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummings. Hey, how about the AAF? pretty cool yeah i liked trent it richardson. Trent richardson is back well okay he looks like trent richardson apparently yeah 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 uh, listen it it
0: looked like professional football it did yeah i don't know if it was nearly as good as oh, it, professional football it, it that wasn't. we've been talking about yeah
1: it wasn't, but it could get better. This was their first game. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the AAF. People are interested in it. Uh, we've got Heath's AFC projections. We got some Cam Newton news. We got some more coordinator hires. And I enjoyed talking about some 2018 surprises on our last show. So I think we're going to talk more about them. Um, the second highest scoring season of all time. I was kind of surprised it wasn't the highest scoring season of all time. 2013 had it beat 23.4 points per game per team to 23.3 points per game per team. Oh, was
2: that a uh, Peyton Manning's 55 touchdown season?
1: Thank you for uh, reading Adam's glorious notes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And you know, speaking of Peyton Manning, we got a we got a projection on Patrick Mahomes for next year, which I'm going to compare to Peyton Manning's 2014 season when he was coming off his 55 touchdown season. How's everybody feeling today? How was your weekend?
0: Uh, weekend was great. I'm proud to announce that I'm the champion. Of a, uh, of a daughter who won her soccer league. It was a rec league. There were only four teams. Wait, My daughter scored zero goals all year long. You're the champion
1: of a daughter.
0: My daughter's the champion. <laughs> I'm the champion dad. Okay. Thank you. And Heath uh, had a sporty weekend.
2: Yeah, I coached uh, six basketball games with two teams that, in their first competitive tournament ever, and we went 0-6, and, uh, had one game that was within, within single digits. Oh. So lost the last game of the week 42 to 6. How,
1: Four, what? Said,
0: how long are
2: the are the periods?
0: 14 minutes. Is there one period? Two. Two 14 minute periods, and you guys had six points? And did
1: yeah. everybody, like, did you have five players on the court at one time? Or fewer? Yes. Oh, okay. All uh,
2: right.
0: you, like, it is. And
2: I've done this before. My oldest son, we went through this process in his first tournament. They lost every game by at least 25 points. And then eventually they started winning tournaments. The, ex- the change going from rec league to competitive basketball is it- it's absurd.
1: Yeah, well, that's why it's I never really played ex- competitive. I just did rec league, so yeah. I, knew, I knew what I was doing. All right, let's, talk, uh, let's, talk, let's go back in time to 2018. Give me one draft strategy that you employed in 2018 that worked out well. And maybe you'd consider... Doing it all again.
0: Targeting a tight end.
1: Yeah. Snips. Seriously no intentional position positional strategy or position yes. strategy? Yes, position
0: positional. Positional.
1: And for me, uh running back wide receiver or wide receiver running back with my first two picks.
0: Which is like the easiest thing in the world to pull off. But makes sense. Like what seventy five percent of people did.
1: Yeah, but it, you know, it makes sense. It's good. Because those elite wide receivers are just so yeah. much better than the rest of the pack. And yeah, be... but tell
0: that to the guy that started their draft with Leonard Fournette and Odell Beckham. Well, Didn't okay, work out there's, them, always
1: gonna be, there's always going to be... You shouldn't draft
0: LSU Tigers, obviously. <laughs> yes, that's what we'll do. No yeah, mind. tell your strategy and to the guy me. who drafted, drafted Rob Gron- Gronk. Right, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. Jerk. I realized that as soon as I said that.
1: <laughs> Okay, I thought we'd have a longer discussion about that, but we don't well, have Well, I to. think part of it
0: was uh, I, I wanted to get a tight end... That I thought had great, great potential. Kittle was that guy who I tried to get in a lot of leagues, I, and I got Ertz in a bunch of. What, where did we draft Ertz last year when it was all said and done? Like oh, third to fourth, lay, yeah,
1: lay around three. Around so I was, 35-ish. I was,
0: I was reaching for Ertz at
1: one point. I don't think Kittle really applies. Like you're talking, that was a late round pick with upside. You're saying target tight end in the early rounds, which
0: okay. So here's the groundbreaking analysis. Here's the tip. Draft great players late. No. You're welcome.
1: No, but I do think—I mean, I was going to say tight end. You know, prioritize tight end because if you drafted Kelsey or Ertz, you had a huge—
2: You had a 67%
0: chance of hitting on that strategy. How about Ebron?
1: Well, yeah, I mean— Drafted
0: Ebron late, too, you would have been fine.
1: But was that because Jack Doyle got hurt? I mean, He was scoring
0: touchdowns early in the year, too
1: yeah of course there're always good late round picks and they were great there were great mid to late round and free agent running backs as well i mean Nick Chubb won a lot of people leagues i'm sure yeah
2: um, I think it was a good reminder this past year that zero running back still works if applied correctly
1: yeah but uh we are uh, in a great age of of elite running backs as well all right so running back wide receiver is a simple way to start your your league and that's something I will be doing your your team
0: most people will be, and no, it's not the wrong thing to do or the, you know, it might be the popular thing to do, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. It's not a bad strategy to just start your team with a little bit of balance of those positions.
1: All right, so let's talk about uh, a new type of real football league and then a new type of fantasy football league. So the new type of real football league is the AAF, which I loved, uh, sort of. I I say I loved it, but I watched, like, Combined 30 minutes. But I enjoyed those 30 minutes. They were very good. I watched enjoyable.
2: all of the AAF on CBS. I just didn't see any other.
1: The Saturday night game? Yeah. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking a few things. One, like Spiro Ditas was outstanding. Because that is... You're going in blind. Right? You've obviously got time to learn the players. But if any of us went and did play-by-play for an NFL game, we would know most of the important players who were catching passes and intercepting balls and making tackles and sacks. Like, you've got... Nothing if you're Spiro in and that broadcast cast crew. So kudos to them. They were great. And then I was also thinking, this would be so hard to do fantasy football with. Like, again, you have nothing to go off of. Could you well, imagine? You're, you're going blind, basically. You
0: can go off the coaches. You can get a semblance of an idea of just how. Like Steve Spurrier is the coach of the Orlando franchise. Yeah. And you know that he's going to be aggressive with the ball. His team put up a lot of points.
1: And Mike Martz is, was the coach of the – the coach that's whoever – San Diego. Yeah. And they scored like six points. They did terrible. <laughs> so, they did
0: better than Memphis. You don't know who's good though. Do you know that if Christian Hackenberg is good?
1: Uh, okay. We know that. <laughs> okay. Uh Anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Like how would you even go about doing a season think the t- league?
0: I think you would do fantasy AAF with the draft after the first two weeks of the year. You Uh, get two weeks to watch these guys play, and then you've got to put a team together.
1: We're not going to do that, right? I would. You would? Yeah. I would, but with the caveat that I am just not going to be watching the games like I normally do. But if we just want to go on stats, yeah, it could be fun. All right.
0: Who's going to put it together? Not it. Yeah, not it. Thanks, Heath. <laughs> I did never offer that I would play. Heath hasn't talked in like six minutes. He's too busy thinking about <laughs> right, it. right about the game time. Game plans for his basketball team.
1: Uh, okay, so How let's— How do we score eight points? <laughs> 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 let's talk about a new type of fantasy football league. Unless this is completely normal and a lot of people do it and I just don't know about it. But it's an email of the day from Richard at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. It's called the Vampire League. Is this something you guys have heard of before? I have heard of it,
0: yes.
2: Yeah, I think our our good buddy Scott Fish does some Vampire Leagues.
1: All right. I've never done it. The Vampire League runs similar to other leagues except the Vampire. We can determine how the Vampire is selected or someone volunteers. Does not draft a team. The Vampire selects his team from the free agents immediately following the draft. Obviously, that Vampire is going to have a a worse team. Teams play head-to-head each week, and obviously one team would be playing the Vampire each week. Here's where it gets interesting, fun, and hopefully exciting. If the Vampire wins their matchup, uh, the Vampire gets to trade with the team they beat. The Vampire gets to pick one of their starters from the week's matchup and trade that player for one of the opponent's starters for that week. Over the course of the season, the Vampire gets stronger by winning and taking players from their opponent. If the Vampire loses, nothing happens except for the standings. Uh, there are several different ways to establish rules for trades. Fab, IR, etc., plus the overall type of league. PPR, non-PPR, uh, flex, whatever you want to do, um, that could be sorted out and finalized before establishing the league. But I think that's really fun. Uh, have you, you guys have never done a Vampire League?
2: I have not, but I'm open to the idea. I just wonder, if you're playing for something, does the Vampire have to put in as much as everyone else? Right.
0: If there's a League fee, does the Vampire get it waived? How does Because does, does, uh, I don't know if I'm willing to volunteer to be the Vampire and the same league fee as everybody else. I feel like that gives me a decided disadvantage. I'd love
1: to know how the vampires do. Because I feel like all you have to do is win maybe four times. And you all of a sudden have a really good team.
0: Yeah, sure. I'd also... Shouldn't the vampire have an edge with maybe a couple extra bench spots? Because remember, you're picking after 150 players are taken on draft day. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's a challenge that maybe we should try. But I... You know, by the time you win four games, it might be week 10. I
1: would definitely want to be the vampire for the fun of it.
0: It'd be fun to do vampire
2: listener leagues where each of us are the vampire in a league with listeners.
0: Now, I've also heard of leagues where if you win, you get to take a player off of the team that you beat.
1: Well, yeah, that's the concept, right?
0: Well, well no, but it, that's for everybody in the league.
1: Oh, so yeah, if I
0: beat you in no, a week, Adam, I get your me. best player. But next week I lose to Heath, Heath might get that same player.
1: Mm. Oh, that would be that would be fun.
0: And I've also heard of, I believe they're called guillotine leagues, where if you're the lowest scoring team,
1: you're out. <laughs> Kick them out of the league. You're out of the league. <laughs> you're gone for the entire season. Uh, that's a Heath Cummings specialty right there. I, well, I think Richard wants to actually get a vampire league going, so it's something we can talk about throughout the off season. Might be interested in vampiring that thing up. All right, let's talk about some 2018 surprises, continuing a segment from last week, last episode. Uh So just some statistics that really stand out. 2018 was the second-highest scoring season of all time, just barely behind 2013, which was Peyton Manning's big year, 55 touchdowns. NFL teams ran the fewest plays in nine years. That surprised me. But 2018 set the record for most yards per play. We also had the record for the fewest rush attempts per game in NFL history, but the most rushing yards per attempt. So both with plays and rush attempts, the numbers were down, but the efficiency was uh, way up there. So yeah, what do you guys uh, what do you guys think about all those stats? Uh, a lot of scoring, but I think what really jumped out was uh, not a lot of plays, fewest plays in nine years, despite the second highest scoring season of all time.
2: Blame Adam GaSe. <laughs> like, the Cardinals and Dolphins ran, like, 50 plays per game. The Ravens ran, like, 74 or something.
0: Well, but if you run 50 plays per game, that usually means your opponent is running 70. Well, it's are And one... you're, just, you're just bleeding the clock more, because you're up big.
2: And also, part of it could be blame Patrick Mahomes. Because the Chiefs didn't run very many plays for the opposite reason as the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Because early in the year, it only took them, like, four plays to score each time they hit the ball.
1: Do you think we're going to have... So, like I said, 2018 is the second-highest-scoring season. 2013 is number one. 2014, the ninth-highest-scoring season of all time. So, I, I I don't know. I feel like the, the scoring was a little fluky this year. Uh, I know people are going to point to the penalties. And, you know, just the way the game was officiated, basically, is why the scoring was up. But I feel like things sort of normalize late in the year, maybe. Yeah, did the, I
0: miss Did I miss anything about how many penalties were called this year?
1: I didn't see that. I didn't. I didn't mention that.
2: I I would say that any time there is a the most ever or the second most ever, yeah. I would expect it to go backwards a little bit the next year.
1: Is that going to influence drafts at all? Mm. Like maybe quarterbacks not going to be as deep as we think because the offensive production will be down. Just, I, yeah. Just spitballing.
2: I, for me, it looks even deeper than it did last year. <laughs> uh, I there were eighteen guys I was fine with last year. As of right now, it looks like there's twenty-one. All
1: right, let's talk about a surprise I wanted to get to last week but did not. Matt Ryan was the number two quarterback in fantasy. That was definitely a surprise. His numbers look pretty similar to what he did in his MVP season uh f- about 4,900 yards both years, 38 touchdowns two three seasons ago, 35 touchdowns this year, seven interceptions both times. Um, and I think both times he was the number two quarterback in fantasy. And of course, sandwiched in between these two amazing years for Matt Ryan was a 4,100-yard, 20-touchdown season in 2017. So what the heck do we do with Matt Ryan, and how do you explain his production in 2018?
0: He was comfortable with the offense. The offensive coordinator was comfortable running it. They learned how to work in the red zone, which is something that they couldn't get done in 2017. And he took a step forward, and that's why he had such a great year. Top five in consistency as well. Exactly the type of fantasy quarterback you love because you draft him late and you start him. in offensive coordinators again, it's going to be Dirk Cutter now calling the plays, but he's been with Dirk before. There's going to be a good comfort level there. I, I'm I'm reasonably optimistic that he can be a top 10 quarterback again, if not a top five. I think he's probably top 10. The
2: one thing I will say that was different from his MVP season, he threw the ball 534 times that season and he threw it 529 in 2017. The entire Falcons defense got hurt in the first four weeks of the season and he threw 608 passes this year. He was actually at 9.3 yards per attempt, 7.1% touchdown rate in 2016 that MVP year. And we called for some regression, and there was way too much, probably. Last year, he was at 8.1 yards per attempt, 5.8% touchdown rate. Those are a little bit more normal. I just have real questions about whether he throws 600 passes again.
0: What happens with the run game in Atlanta this offseason? That's really what it comes down to me. Do they clean house and bring in somebody brand new? Do they just let Tevin Coleman walk? Do they cut Devontae Freeman and bring Tevin Coleman back? They're going to have a run game, obviously. I just don't know if they're going to have one that – they will commit to uh to the point where Matt Ryan's under 550 pass attempts.
1: I think they'll be much
2: more likely to commit to it if they're not giving up 35 points a game.
1: Hey, they had the third fewest rush attempts in the NFL in 2018. So that is a big number there, you know, an important number to mm-hmm. keep in mind for the Atlanta Falcons. That so that those are sort of negatives, you know, their defense gets better, their running game gets better it would take away from Matt Ryan, but I think a positive is Calvin Ridley. Who brings something to this offense that they hadn't really had. He had a, a nice rookie season. Calvin really was certainly inconsistent, but, uh, 64 catches, 821 yards and 10 touchdowns. So that, that bodes well. I think, you know, having another dynamic playmaker out there.
0: It'll help, but I think it's that volume that really helped Matt Ryan out.
1: All right. Another surprising thing. Julio Jones caught eight touchdowns in his final nine games. His only eight touchdowns of the season, but. That's amazing. No touchdowns through seven weeks, and then eight touchdowns in his final nine games, and uh, finished as a top. Th- I think he was third in PPR and fourth in non yeah, PPR. Fifth in non PPR. Yeah, top five
0: in every format, and like you said, third in
1: PPR. Yeah, he had a monster year. Like a hundred thirteen catches, one thousand six hundred seventy seven yards, eight touchdowns, which is really good for him. Eight touchdowns. Uh. How come nobody's talking about Julio Jones as the number one receiver off the board next year?
0: I think it's partially because he do, he he doesn't have a chance at getting ten. Although, well, one time when he did get ten touchdowns, I believe it was Cutter who was his coordinator.
1: But why doesn't he have a shot at getting ten? Yeah, I wouldn't say he doesn't
0: have a chance at. It getting just feels 10. like it's never going to happen because it hasn't happened for so many. I look if he's got if he has eight touchdowns in nine games he's got a chance to get double-digit touchdowns. He's got a chance to be a beast. I think the problem is you can't. It's very difficult
2: to project Julio for more than eight touchdowns. And the guys, like, you would expect DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to score double-digit touchdowns. You would expect, like, Odell Beckham, if he plays 16 games, is probably going to score double-digit touchdowns.
1: Yeah. He's also older, Julio Jones. He's 30 uh, right now, so... I get it, but I I think it was surprising to see him go on that touchdown bench. Well,
2: I I don't know what was more surprising.
0: The first half or the second half?
1: The first half. No touchdowns in seven games is ridiculous.
0: He he surprised us twice. And he was still good. He was still very good for fantasy in that run.
1: Yeah. Uh, Saquon Barkley was second among running backs in receptions with 91. Only Christian McCaffrey had more with 107. And... What Just what stands out is we knew he'd be involved in the passing game, but I don't think we thought Barkley would have 91 catches as a rookie.
0: No, not that many. But it's it's what will help fuel him to be the number one overall pick in 2019.
1: Did we talk about his, his splits before the bye and after the bye? I, I can never remember. No. All right, I'll try to pull up the, the exact numbers. But bottom line is... He had basically, they had a week nine by. So eight games before, eight, eight games after. And, um, he had basically the same amount of touches, but, oh, here we go. First eight games, he averaged 14 carries as it was on pace for 116 catches. Last eight games, he averaged 18.8 carries and was on pace for only 66 catches. Did the defense time,
0: play better in the second half? Defense played better in the second half. I
1: think part don't of it. No
0: Beckham in the second
1: half. They came out of their bye, and they added an offensive lineman, Jamon Brown, who played, I think, right guard for them and actually did okay. Um, their left guard, their rookie, Will Hernandez, started to get even better, and they said, we have to be a running team because they were, I think they were 1-7. I don't know. they Yeah, they were 1-7. They We have to be a running team. So Barkley, like the total yards were almost the same. The touches were almost the same. The production was great both times. But he was probably a better fantasy option the first eight games because he was better in PPR. He was on pace for 116 catches as opposed to 66 catches.
2: The, the funny thing is Dave mentioned Odell Beckham. And in the first 12 weeks of the season with Beckham, Barkley averaged 7.6 targets per game. In the last four games of the season, Barkley averaged 7.5 targets per game.
0: So, And now I'd like to know how many carries he had with Odell and without Odell. Do you have that?
2: Yeah, without Odell, he averaged 16.5 carries per game. Mm -hmm. And with him, he averaged 16.3. So nothing really changed the last four weeks. There was a weird stretch from week 9 through 12 where he had at least 20 carries in three of those games and no more than four targets in three of those games.
0: Mm.
1: And those were with Beckham.
2: Yes, and that's really what throws off the first half, second half, because the last four games look a lot like the beginning of the year.
1: How many carries in those four games was last four
2: in his last four? Yeah. Uh, 16.5, which was two more than what he averaged the first 12 weeks.
1: It's pretty interesting. Different ways to slice it. I guess
0: he had two games with single digit fantasy points in non PPR.
1: Yeah. One was uh, with Tennessee. Oh, no. Uh, week, 10, week 15. I don't know. whoever the heck it was. All right, so how many catches do you think for Barkley next year?
0: 70.
1: 86. All right, he had 91 as a rookie. Last thing that jumped out as a surprise, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen led all quarterbacks in rushing yards with 695 for Jackson, 631 for Josh Allen. I mean, these guys, when you just look at their starts, because Jackson had had some rushing yards before he started, like, they, okay, and if you, if you splice up Allen's season to before his injury and after, you know, these guys could rush for over a thousand yards based on what they did this year. It, it was amazing for Allen and Jackson to lead all quarterbacks in rushing yards, uh, really popped, popped out to me. And, and while Allen was kind of strutting his stuff at the end of the year, Last six games, I believe, after coming back from an injury, he was the number two quarterback in fantasy in both four-point and six-point for passing touchdown leagues. What do you think?
0: I'm going to try and draft Josh Allen with my last pick in every draft.
1: Oh, please. Josh yes. Allen is gonna, going way before that.
0: Uh, well, wherever he ends up going, I'm going to try and get him. Okay. Because I think he's got that Mahomes... When I say Mahomes type of potential, I don't mean 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. I mean a uh, late-round quarterback that you'll end up starting and being very pleased with.
2: Yeah, that my only concern about Allen, I mean, there's I have concerns about Jackson, too.
0: I got concerns about him both.
2: But. My, my concern with Allen and the rushing production specifically is that like Jackson was doing it with 15 designed runs per week. Mm-hmm and not really averaging very many yards per carry for a, for a running quarterback. I think he's right around five.
1: 4.7 in his seven starts.
2: That's no, that. Nothing about that screams unsustainable other than being worried about getting, getting him hurt. Allen, a lot of his came on scrambles where he just had one massive long scramble in a game. And I don't know how sustainable that feels. In fact, it, I, I do. It doesn't feel sustainable.
0: <laughs> Does it make you feel any better that he did run a decent amount in college? And now he's still willing to do that. I in think the he, pros. I don't know. If, you're right. It's not sustainable to count him to have a, you know, a run of 30 plus yards every single week. But 12 touchdowns in his last 25 games in college on the ground, 700 yards and change in those games. I think it, it's part of who he is. Not to the not to the extent of Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't be surprised if he finished next year with. Three hundred and seventy five rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. I think if I'll he does keep it, that. I'll keep it conservative.
2: I think if he goes three seventy five and three on the ground, you're gonna want no part of him on your fantasy team.
1: It's possible. I mean, gosh, did Josh Allen throw a lot of interceptions? Uh <laughs> he threw twelve interceptions in eleven starts. And, you know, I don't want to judge him too harshly. Then of course there was Lamar Jackson whose fantasy production was actually okay in the Chargers game in the playoffs, but I think anybody who watched it saw something pretty alarming. That was the first time that he faced an opponent for the second time, and they really did a great job against Lamar Jackson. It was kind of a fourth-quarter comeback
2: that Mm -hmm. inflated the numbers. I I was really frustrated by the Ravens in that game and their lack of creativity until it was desperation time because they they just didn't make any effort to throw the ball down the field.
0: Well, (laughs) get ready for the 2019 Ravens. I expect he's going to throw slightly more often than he
2: did last year. He needs better
0: weapons. Yes, so that's part of it is he needs better weapons, but they've made Greg Roman their offensive coordinator, and this is the guy that did work with Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo, Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. Great rushing numbers from the quarterback. There are flashes of great plays downfield, but not enough to feel great about the upside of the receivers there, nor the quarterback. I, I'm, I'm worried about Lamar Jackson. Even if you give them great rushing numbers, I don't
1: know if the passing numbers are going to be there. So who do you guys rank higher? Obviously, Dave seems to prefer Josh Allen. Who do you rank higher next year?
2: I've got them back to back right now. They're both, they're at 17 and 18. And the projections, I've got Allen just a little bit ahead of Jackson.
0: I have Allen at 17 and Jackson at
1: 20. Okay. And that's six point per passing touchdown? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, these guys are obviously going to be higher in four point, right? Uh,
2: I've got four point right here. Um I was about 13 14.
1: Okay. All right, we got news and notes, we got Heat's AFC projections, which will certainly be a multi-week series. Cool. Some
0: It's a mini series.
1: Yeah, there you go. Some notes on uh new coordinators and their tendencies and your emails of at football at cbsi.com. We're going to get to all of that right after this.
0: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Cam Newton said he could not throw the ball more than 30 yards. And it's easy to forget how good Cam Newton was before things really came apart late in the season. But he was on pace for his second best season of all time, or of his career, (laughs) of his career. Uh, So, yeah, Cam Newton finished about 12th, 13th and 6th point, 12th and 4th point. What do you think about him? I mean, this, this injury obviously was was really serious. And uh, we've, we've talked about him before, so I'll, I'll make it quick. But we are getting more knowledge about the extent of the injury. It was it completely hampered him. Can you fairly judge Cam Newton from last year's production?
0: Sure, because he, he had some really nice games before the shoulder really became a problem. I think the offense agreed with him. Um, trying to bring up his numbers from the year.
2: Uh, I'll just say but that. I, oh, go ahead. You pull up. Well, I was going to give you time to pull up his numbers. If if you give him full, if he gets full clearance by OTAs, he'll be in my top six. If he gets full clearance by the start of camp, he'll be in my top six. He'll probably get that.
0: He completed sixty eight percent of his passes last year, which is like amazing. 59.1%. 2016, 52.9. Uh, I can keep going back if you want. He had two years where he was at like 61% or 60%. So this was just totally out of the norm. I don't think he was attempting nearly as many deep passes. I would say he was attempting about the same amount of passes per game.
1: Well, when you're running back is before. catching 100 passes, that's going to help, right? <laughs> sure. Christian McCaffrey is going to help. But no, it yes. was a huge So that outlier. was a huge
0: part of it. Touchdown production wasn't great, turnovers were still an issue. Well, listen, Dave. And then there's the rushing on top of it with Cam, which wasn't very good last his,
1: year. He played fourteen games. His first eleven games were great. If you look at his first eleven games, Cam Newton's sixteen game pace, three thousand nine hundred twenty six passing yards, thirty two touchdowns, plus another six hundred and seven rushing yards and six more touchdowns. So, you know, that that's good enough to be a top three quarterback. Would you guys rank Cam or Matt Ryan hire next year? I
0: already have Ryan.
2: I have Ryan hire, but that won't be the case once uh, Cam's given full clearance.
1: The Dolphins hire Chad O'Shea as their offensive coordinator. More on that later. And Raiders wide receiver Martavis Bryant. Free agent wide receiver Josh Gordon could be reinstated by the start of training camp, according to NFL.com. All right, Heat's AFC projections. I don't think we'll get to all these guys. But let's start with your Patrick Mahomes projections. Then I want to talk about Deshaun Watson. And a few others. So Mahomes, you do have him projected as the number one quarterback next year, right? And
2: yes, in 6 per pass touchdown leagues.
1: What about four? He would be number two. Behind?
2: The next guy we're going to talk about.
1: Sean Watson. So, yeah, you, you bumped him down considerably. About uh, 500 yards. Uh, 15 touchdowns. Rushing totals pretty much the same.
2: We were talking about those Matt Ryan numbers from his MVP season and the yards per attempt and the uh, touchdown percentage. Mahomes was at 8.8 yards per attempt last year. For the projection, I, I bumped him down to 8. 8 is still incredible. It's still, if you do that over your career, you're basically the best quarterback of all time. So, And then touchdown percentage, I went from 8.6 down to 6 which, again, if you have a 6% touchdown rate over your entire career, you're basically the best quarterback ever. So I, I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is going to regress and be bad in any way. I just don't think it's not very likely at all
0: that he repeats what he did last year. But I'd give him more than 35 touchdowns. It's a little bit better than two per game. You've got him at 289 passing yards per game. I guess that's probably right about what we should expect. 4,600 yards. That's what you have before. for. That's probably right in line with what you should expect. It is a tougher schedule for them next year. The road defenses that he'll face include the Jaguars, Patriots, and Bears.
1: Uh, that, he'll, he'll torch the Patriots.
0: Maybe he, he should, but on the road, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for he's
1: him. Done it twice, right? Done it
0: twice. And he's, well, he's played against them twice, once at home, once in Foxborough. And I would imagine the Patriots probably have a good formula for at least a good starting point on how to try and limit him after playing him twice.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of a player who was influenced by his schedule. I had it off the top of my head. But now I don't remember. But, no, it's a good point. And at the Bears, at the Jaguars, not going to be easy. All right, and, and Mahomes, to compare to Peyton Manning... Peyton Manning, in his amazing season, he had 5,500 yards roughly. The next year, 4,700. He went from 55 touchdown passes to 39. He went from 10 interceptions to 15. He was still awesome. I mean, 4,700 yards, 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's a great year. But it's just so hard to do what he did in 2013. It'll be hard for Mahomes to do what he did in 2018. All right, so Deshaun Watson finished the year as the number 5 quarterback in fantasy, and I think he, what jumps out to me is he had the 15th most pass attempts in the NFL despite playing 16 games. So, do you really think Watson will throw the ball enough to be the number two quarterback in six-point per passing touchdown leagues? The number one quarterback in four-point.
2: I think he throws the ball a little bit more than he did last year. I think I've got him at basically one more attempt per game, which gets him up to right around 520 it's not really that outlandish to think a guy that's basically played a year and a half now is going to get a little bit longer leash in terms of throwing the football into the, and, and hopefully he doesn't get sacked quite as often. So he just gets to throw
0: it a little bit more often. I think job number one, this offseason for the Texans is improving that offensive line. And job number two is going to be finding a whole new run game. And the better they do, at fixing their run game, the fewer attempts that'll be there for Deshaun Watson. Well, I
2: don't think he's going throw it less than 500. I mean, through 505 times last year, that's
0: that's pretty low. I could see it. Bill O'Brien likes to keep it conservative. And I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he fell below that number, even if he plays 16 games. His 16 but it comes, game. to, it comes down to how they fix the run game. They let Lamar Miller go. They don't trust Deontay Foreman to be that guy. They either draft somebody or they make a splash in free agency. I I could see them doing that. They're a team that needs a new RB1. I
2: I will say over the last three years that O'Brien's been there in Houston, they've 506 is the lowest. They threw 525 times in 2016, or 17, and they threw 583 times in 2016.
1: And I think a player that's going to impact Deshaun Watson a lot is Will Fuller, who hopefully will be back and ready to go. But he's just better with Will Fuller. His 16-game pace based on eight games with Fuller 4,571 yards, 32 touchdowns, 14 mm. interceptions. Not as much, uh, rushing production. He only had one rushing touchdown in those eight games. But still, I mean, he, he's gonna put, like, he threw for 41, 4,165 yards this year. Based on the eight games with Will Fuller, you give him 16. It's 4,571. That's 400 more yards and six more touchdown passes. So, um, I think that would help too if he can get a, a healthy Will Fuller. But, you know, I'm sure going oh, into the I year, think, we'll be like, there's no way Will Fuller staying healthy.
2: Well, the great thing is, I, I liked what we saw from Kiki QT last year. And the fact that he goes into the season with those three at wide receiver, even if Fuller goes down, he's got two good receivers. And if Fuller stays healthy, he has one of the top six or seven receiving cores in the NFL.
1: Let's go to some running backs and talk about Derrick Henry and Sony Michel. Who do you like better based on your projections, Derek Henry or Sony Michelle?
2: I've got Henry ahead of Michelle right now. I just got a little bit concerned looking at the Patriots because I I don't think there's any reason to think that they're going to be a lot different next year. They were in the playoffs in terms of giving the ball to Michelle, but Burkhead was still pretty heavily involved. Mm-hmm. And so I worry about their sneakiness at the goal line and who's going to get the touchdowns on a given week. Um, and this Going through this process actually made me a little bit more concerned about Michelle than I was coming off the playoff high.
1: Really? Interesting. Yeah, in Tom Brady's 18 seasons, the Patriots have had 5,000-yard uh, rushers. And it was Antoine Smith, Corey Dillon, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Stephen Ridley, and Garrett Blunt. Blunt did that on 299 carries. In fact, Green-Ellis was the only of those five... Thousand yard rushers who had fewer than 287 carries. I don't know if that means anything. Five thousand yard rushers in 18 seasons. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't think it's uh, that it bad. Seems
2: really bad.
1: You think so? For I think a lot of franchises struggle with that having thousand yard rushers. I don't know.
0: Sure, some do, some don't. Uh, but it, you know that the Patriots like to throw to their running backs. So just because a guy doesn't run for a thousand yards, shouldn't. But do they like to throw to Sony Michelle? No, James White is the one this past year who had right a ton of yards. He had an outlier season for sure, double digit touchdowns too. But Sony can make play; he can catch the football. I just wonder if that's something that could expand in twenty nineteen. I like Sony better than Derrick Henry. You do? Yeah. Quick, I'm nervous why. about what the Titans' offense is going to be. After, after I dug into Arthur Smith as their new offensive coordinator, there's a lot I just don't like.
2: I, I'm concerned about the Titans' offense, but I feel pretty confident Derek Henry is going to be an enormous part of it.
1: And you project Henry. Sure sorry. You, you project Henry and Michelle for, you know, about 1,200 yards, Henry about 80 more yards rushing. It's similar, you know, crappy production in the passing game, but you have Henry for 11 touchdowns and Michelle for nine.
2: Yeah, and nine touchdowns is not a bad year. It's just there, I have more concern about somebody stealing Sony Michelle's touchdowns than I do Derrick Henry's.
1: How about some wide receivers? And, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, let's go to him. You have him projected to be your number two receiver in both non-PPR and PPR. 110 catches, 1,528 yards, and nine touchdowns for Juju. Can somebody be the number two receiver with only nine touchdowns, Heath? Well,
2: okay, here's the thing that you have to remember about projections. You're not going to project a lot of guys to catch 13 touchdowns, but somebody's probably going to. Yeah. So, I, I don't I don't have a lot of wide receivers projected for double digit touchdowns cuz not a lot are going to do it and it's not it's not particularly likely for anyone. But I think you look at what he did last year, 111 catches, 1400 yards and only 7 touchdowns after scoring 7 touchdowns the year before on 58 and 917. I, I think he has as good a chance to catch double-digit touchdowns as almost anyone.
0: Did you project him with Antonio Brown not being a teammate? Nope. Wow. So I can't imagine what those numbers would be if I Browns don't, I don't moved know. on and he's the number one guy and their next best receiver is you know a journeyman. It could be someone like Golden Tate who just they plop into the slot or they just go with James Washington. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I think he could, could go be up 10%. It could go up more than that, especially in the touchdown range.
2: The touchdown range, yes. I, I don't think it's really likely because I've got him projected for 164 targets right now. I I can't imagine projecting him for more than 180 targets.
0: Just curious. Do you have Antonio Brown's projections?
2: Uh, 106 catches, 1,300 yards, 10
0: touchdowns. How many targets? 171. You got the Steelers going crazy through the air this year. Uh, just like they did last year.
1: What do you have, Roethlisberger as number three quarterback?
2: Uh, four or five, which is where I had him last year.
1: Yeah, and he finished I think third. Uh, and not to be too repetitive because we talked about Juju on our previous show, but he uh was second in the NFL on red zone targets and fourth in targets inside the ten yard line. So he probably he definitely should have had more touchdowns last year. He only had seven. All right, more wide receivers. One more, Landry or Edelman. You decide. Oh, it's it's
2: definitely Julian Edelman, and especially right now because the only definite pass catchers the Patriots are going to have back are James White, Julian Edelman, and Rob Gronkowski. They will add other receivers, and if one of those receivers is actually good, then that would lower Edelman's projection. But right now, it looks like very similar to what it was in 2018 where he was really the only good wide receiver on the team once Josh Gordon was
0: gone. I think Edelman is in great shape if Gronk leaves because now the middle of the field is all his. And yeah. every time we've seen him get 150 targets, he's gotten you over 1,000 yards. The touchdowns haven't been great for him, but he's he's going to be a guy you'll start every single week, no matter what, if he's averaging ten targets a game.
1: And you have Edelman as your fourteenth in non PPR, tenth in PPR, ninety six catches, one thousand eighty four yards, seven touchdowns, right? But you know, couldn't you see the touchdowns go up because he really is the only major option right now? Well, I'm I'm still projecting
2: that Gronk's going to be on the team.
1: What do you project? Okay, fine. Then let's transition right into your Gronkowski projection. You have him as the number four tight end. 59 catches, 881 yards, and six touchdowns. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, and there's not a huge gap from, I mean, there's a big gap for the top three. And then from four through eight or nine, there's not really a huge gap. He's got far more upside than this. The problem is it's also a 16-game projection, and he probably shouldn't
0: project 16 games for Gronk.
2: But I as long as he's there, I think he's probably a top 5 guy.
0: How many yards per game do you have for Gronk? Is it in the 50s. 60s? I'm doing the math right now. Yeah. It's
2: in the 50s. Okay. F- 55.
1: So if he's a top 5 tight end, you've got him projected as your number 4 uh, behind Kelsey Ertz Kittle. Um where do you if he
0: averages if he averages fifty five yards per game for twelve games, it's six hundred and sixty yards. Yeah. And you I don't I don't think anybody wants to sign up for Which is really close to basically every tight end blew him. <laughs> sure. Most tight ends. Sure.
1: So when do you have to draft Rob Gronkowski? Fifth round?
0: You have to draft Rob
1: Gronkowski? I don't know. I mean that's no, the I'm other thing is you.
2: this is this is a if you were drafting today, it's a different story because we don't know if he's coming back. So you couldn't draft him based on what he's projected for. True. But once he's said he's coming back, I think fifth round.
0: I've got him in round seven, non-PPR.
1: One more tight end. Eric Ebron, you have him as the ninth best tight end in non-PPR, tenth in PPR, 54 catches, So just to compare to Gronkowski, Heath has Gronk projected for 59 catches, Ebron for 54. Both for six touchdowns, but he projects Gronkowski for 881 yards and 609 yards for Eric Ebron. So what is your uh, Jack Doyle thought, that he's on the Colts?
2: That Jack Doyle is on the Colts is my current thought. If he's not, that would obviously make things much better for Eric Ebron. And it's very possible that one of these guys is not on the Colts this year. They could make either of those happen with very little pain at all. Um, but if, assuming both guys are on the team, you look at what was going on with Ebron when Doyle was there. He was scoring touchdowns, but the targets were not there. And really, like looking at Eric Ebron last year compared to Eric Ebron's career, he's averaged 11.2 yards per reception for his career. He averaged 11.4 last year. He catches about sixty percent of his passes. He caught exactly sixty percent of his passes last year. He just scored a ton of touchdowns, and I don't, I don't think that's very likely that happens again.
0: How many touchdowns you haven't projected for? Six. Six. I'll take the over. I think that he finds <clears throat> the end zone seven or eight times. That they like using him down there. It's a specialty. They're going to add another piece. Doyle could be back, like we talked about. The run game could be a little bit better. There's no chance it's going to be double digits. But I think seven or eight scores is definitely right in, the, right in the range of possibilities for you, Brian.
1: Well, Andrew Luck has had two great fantasy seasons. Uh, 2014, 4,700 yards, 40 touchdowns. And last year, 4,600 yards and 39 touchdowns. In those two seasons, a combined 79 touchdown passes, 30, four, uh, 38 of them, excuse me, went to tight ends. About half. Of his touchdowns in his best seasons went to tight ends. Uh, In between 2016, he threw 12 touchdowns to tight ends uh, out of 31. So it certainly hasn't been 50% throughout his career. But I just thought that was interesting. Like he just loves tight ends. And it's not just Ebron, you know? Eric Swope will get in there. Mo Ali Cox will get in there. That's why I, I would say six touchdowns for Ebron feels low, even if Doyle's there. Because luck is going to throw touchdowns to tight ends, unless maybe they go out and add a really good number two receiver. But short of that, I expect uh, a lot of red zone targets for you. Well,
2: and I think he probably throws three touchdowns to tight ends that nobody has on their fantasy roster. Mm-hmm. And I've got five to Doyle. <laughs> okay, so that's eleven plus three. That's fourteen. Maybe maybe there's one or two more there.
1: What's three to get to fourteen? 11
2: between Doyle and Ebron oh, and 3 to some tight okay. end that nobody's using.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Dave, coaching tendencies, you want to do them today or you want to save them for, for Wednesday or Thursday?
0: If you want, we can divide them up and do the head coaches that will call plays today and the offensive coordinators on Wednesday.
1: Okay. So, I'm into that. that sound good?
0: Yeah. Uh, I rank them based on how I think they'll be for fantasy purposes, who to be excited about, who not to be excited about. And to me, the best head coach for – the best new head coach and play caller is in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. It's, Arians isn't calling the plays. It's going to be Byron Lefwich, but Lefwich has learned everything from Arians. In fact, he said that his approach is no risk it, no biscuit part two, just like Arians, who had that famous line about it. Expect a lot of passing. Uh, Arians threw the ball 60% of the time, three of his last four seasons in Arizona, 60% on the dot overall with the Cardinals. Uh, running back receptions became a huge part of the offense in Arizona. It was uh, 23% of the reception total three of the last four seasons. Tight ends really don't contribute much in that offense. So let
1: me stop you. So who benefits from the running back reception?
0: He's not on the team. Okay. Whoever it is, it's it's not Peyton Barber. Although Barber does have the type of body that Arians tends to prefer in his running backs, I just think they'll draft somebody it, it or add to somebody on bill. I think Le'Veon in Houston would be even better. And then I'd also the, – the, the
2: second one on a lower level, I would love, love, love to see marketing from
0: there.
1: Oh, yeah. That would be fun. But rev- – And AFC – Somebody South who's Revenge. not on the team. Okay.
0: And I'm not – I think O.J. Howard could get to maybe 20% of the team's total catches, but I think he'll be a lot like Ebron in that they'll look for more in the red zone than they will be elsewhere in the game. Number two coach is Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. Uh, He was 59-41 pass run in his eight games. In three losses, 73% of the time they threw the ball, which is excellent for Baker Mayfield. Uh, Running backs did not get a lot of carries with Freddie Kitchens, 19.8 per game, a little bit more when they won. Um, But they caught nearly 30% of all the catches under Freddie Kitchens. And a lot of it went to Duke, but some of it went to Nick Chubb. Uh, Njoku saw more targets with Todd Haley than he did with Kitchens. Landry saw more targets with Haley than he did with Kitchens. I think Kitchens likes to spread the ball around. So uh, keep that in mind when you're drafting these guys. I think it's going to be great for Baker. I think it's going to be really good for Nick Chubb. I think he has an outstanding year. I think the Browns win a lot, certainly more than they have been. Uh, But I don't know if I'm ready to to dig into Dave Njoku again on draft day. Don't think Jarvis Landry or Antonio Callaway are going to be must-have guys unless you're talking mid-round.
1: Okay, interesting. Green so, Bay's so, got uh, Hold on, would you take O.J. Howard or David Njoku?
0: I'll take Howard over Njoku. Okay. Yeah, I
2: I actually am not as discouraged about Howard as I was before I went through the, the whole projections exercise just because if you look at running back targets in Arian's offense, before David Johnson, they weren't as high. And then he got an elite pass-catching running back and he threw the ball to the running back more. He didn't have a very good tight end in Arizona. Now he's got as Adam Azer has said, the very best tight end ever. And so I would expect <laughs> he's going to throw the ball to the tight end more.
0: He's not stupid. I would love it. Here's the problem. The biggest problem is that they've got a lot of mouths to feed, which is great for Bruce Arians and Byron Lefwich and great for Jameis Winston, but it's going to suck for fantasy owners.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but it, it's harder for wide receivers, I think, because yards and catches matter so much. For tight ends, it so often just comes down to touchdowns.
0: Yeah, Howard, which is great there. It's why you can't spend that early-to-middle-round pick on O.J. Howard. you got to yeah. let somebody else do it.
1: Yeah, As of now, I, I agree let's see that, what yeah.
0: this receiving core ends up looking like come August. Everything can change by August.
1: So Arians, Kitchens, uh, and?
0: Matt, Matt LaFleur is next in Green Bay. Um, I don't know how much we should judge him off of what he did in Tennessee because they were really two different teams, one through the first 12 games of the year, and then when they realized how to use Derrick Henry— They became run first. Duh. Um, The thing that I'll point out is that tight ends caught 23% of the catches in 2018. And that's with Delaney Walker barely playing. I would imagine that the floor is going to lean on Aaron Rodgers. They're going to bootleg him out, use his mobility, protect him better in the pocket. They need to find a good second target for him, whether they um, cultivate one from the rookies last year or they add somebody in free agency. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to get targeted a bazillion times. And it sounds like Jimmy Graham's going to be back, but I'm not that excited about him. Even if he does get 20% of the catches, I don't think there's going to be a lot of yardage there. And he's going to be kind of what he's been the past couple of years, which is a touchdown needy tight end. I think that's what he's become. Uh,
2: The floor is one of the ones I've kind of got a red, red flag next to as far as the the new guys, just because I agree with Dave. it's, It's hard to make much out of 2018 because of the situation and how it changed mid year. I don't know how much credit to give him for 2017 because I mean he wasn't calling plays.
0: No, he, he was, was just coaching the quarterbacks in LA.
2: Right. So it it's a little Or bit, he was
0: the offensive coordinator in LA, but the, he wasn't calling the plays. Air quotes offensive coordinator. That's what he was, mm-hmm. not the quarterbacks coach.
2: But it it's a little bit of a tricky situation.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. I think it's weird. It's a somewhat of a weird hire, but we don't know his tendencies yet. I mean, he's going to adapt to the to the players that he has, you know. And he's got Aaron Rodgers now,
0: right? Most coaches, the the good coaches adapt. The bad ones who don't last very long don't. And uh, it would be stunning if Matt Lafleur arrives in Green Bay and says, "We're going to be an Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams team."
1: You know, they're going to throw the of ball. Of course, yeah. Of
0: it's course. just a matter of of who's going to end up getting it and where the where the play calls go. And you know, if Lafleur is smart, he lets Aaron Rodgers really take the wheel most of the time, anyway. Arizona is going to be interesting. These these are where the, the offenses are going to be very interesting and not shy. These might be the red flag offenses, Cliff Kingsbury. You know what he's done in college, spread formations, very, very heavy toward wide receivers. 82% of the receptions in each of the last five years with Texas tech went to wide receivers. And he really, until very recently specialized in small, fast receivers, um, Kiki QT was one of those guys for him. There's a couple other ones. I just They're not on the tip of my tongue right now, but very fast, very small type of wideouts that he did great things with. And Neglected running backs kind of in the process. 23.3 running back carries per game in college. That's pretty low. DeAndre Washington did have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Despite that number, I do think David Johnson will be an anomaly for Kingsbury. He should try and find ways to lean he, running the ball shouldn't be a problem. He should obviously do that probably more than he would have in college, but he's going to find ways to utilize him in the passing game as well. I think Christian Kirk is the best fit based on who's on the roster now for Arizona. And I do think there is potential, especially once they get the line fixed to have that offense really start to get fired up. There could be some really, in, in theory there should be some really great numbers coming their way. I just wonder if it's not going to happen in the first half of 2019 because they're still adjusting. We don't know how great that offensive line will be. We don't know how Josh Rosen's going to be. And we don't know just how many great weapons. They need so many things that in time it could be a lot of fun to watch, but to start the year and for fantasy drafting purposes, the only, one that, the only two that are on my list are going to be Johnson in round two, and I think he could be a, a great bargain there. And Christian Kirk a little later on. Fitzgerald will get targets and catches, but he doesn't have the speed.
1: Yeah, Fitzgerald stinks. Heath, you picked Fitzgerald in a draft. It was a terrible pick. You said it was your favorite pick. It was terrible.
0: I took him in round 13. Yeah, That's a, a great awful pick.
1: pick. <laughs>
0: he took him in round 13 because we weren't sure if he was going to play.
1: It was non-PPR, right?
0: I I think it was that, too. Yeah, it's a terrible pick. Now, where would you take Larry Fitzgerald in a non-PPR
1: draft? Round 18.
0: Seven? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be past round seven. We'll talk a lot about him.
1: All right, so the rest uh, we can... Directly i got go to two the more website. coaches
0: that I can get through real quickly. One is Adam Gase. People aren't going to be a big fan of his anyway. Only twice in his play-calling career has he had a running back with over 1,000 yards. He's ten- he tends to be pass-friendly. Could be good for Sam Darnold. Could be very good for Robbie Anderson, assuming he stays. Quincy Anunua in the slot. Think about the slot receivers in Miami and how they've done under Gase. I think Quincy Anunua could be that guy. And then Zach Taylor is taking over in Cincinnati. He's got great weapons around him. You know that offense is loaded. I really like Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd's going to step up under Zach Taylor working in the slot. A.J. Green should get good numbers as well. Uh, Joe Mixon should be okay. Andy Dalton, deeper leagues, two quarterback leagues, you'll draft him there.
1: Uh, Are you guys ranking Dalton ahead of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson?
0: No,
2: but he's right in that same range. Okay. I I do currently have him ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. I've got him behind him. You have him ahead of
1: Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. I don't. I got Garoppolo ahead. Wow. What a dreadful but, take! Oh but yeah, then again, let's. Adam,
0: this is we we are talking about a time <laughs> in fantasy football where there's a ton of quarterbacks that are going to look good on a roster. Oh yeah, that's let's, let's take the spot. veteran
1: who's like basically never been great for fantasy except for except like, for like three times. No, except for like one lucky season. He's, he's wait. When you said a veteran that's
2: basically never been good for fantasy, were you talking about the twenty-eight year old quarterback?
1: No, I'm talking about the guy that we we know who Andy Dalton is. We know it.
2: We've seen him be a top five quarterback like three different times. No
1: way has Andy Dalton been Not a top five a quarterback. Not over a full
2: season, but over a 12-game stretch here, a 10-game stretch oh, here, Well, and then one, one time for over a full season. Yeah, one time. That's three more stretches than we've seen it from Jimmy G.
1: No, uh, Jimmy G over a, what, five-game stretch at the end of— <laughs> Okay, so there's Five-game that.
2: stretch. So let's count the number of five-game stretches Andy Dalton had at the top five quarterback. <laughs> Come on, dude. You know it's about upside. Come on, Heath. There's a lot of upside for Andy Dalton if everybody's healthy.
1: I mean, like, how? <sighs> okay, five. All right, next week we have to do a Jimmy Garoppolo projection. Uh, oh, this is fun. Oh, I missed this stuff. All right, well, uh, we'll come back on Wednesday or Thursday with our second episode of the week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I didn't get to emails today, but I got a bunch of them saved for our next show. Fantasyfootball at CBSi.com. For Dave or Heath, I'm Adam. Talk to you soon. na na
0: na 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 na, na, na.